Good morning and welcome to the Vine Community Church. It is great to have you with us, even if it is virtually. Today is Valentine's Day. So what other subject can we talk about other than love? But before we do that, we're going to enter into a time of worship where we get to declare our love for God. We get to declare how God is so great. And we get to declare. Fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. great to worship together, it's great to sing to our God. Um, today I want to start with a reading from 1 John chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you go and grab them and turn to that passage. I'm reading from 1 John chapter 2 and it's verses 1 to 17. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. This is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old command that you've had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Verse 9. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. 
the one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. This really is a passage to all people. Young, old, married, single, groups of people, individuals. It talks about the young and old. Maybe that's in age, maybe that's in maturity in their faith. And ladies, you're not missed out in this. The cultural nature of this passage means that only the men are referenced. But in reality, this is talking about all people, not just men. This was written to all genders, all ages, all marital statuses. It is a passage that is for all. The passage speaks of the surety we have in knowing Jesus' love and it challenges to us to love in the same way. The context of the message is apt today possibly more than any other, with today being Valentine's Day. Some of you will have chosen to do something today, perhaps send a card, buy flowers, or make an extra effort to say, I love you. And some of you will have not. Some of you will have not because there's not that sort of person in your life, and some of you will have not done that because you just chose not to. And that is a parallel of every day in our life. Because every day in our life we make a similar decision. We make a decision to find people, or not, in our lives that we can love. We make a decision to love people, or not to love them. That is something we do every day. But before we carry on looking at the passage we've just read, let's get the right idea in our heads about St. Valentine. Let's confirm 
what we mean by love. If we were to walk into a card shop and we were to look at all the Valentine's Day cards on offer, we'd see that the vast majority of them are associated with superficial love, sex, lust. But buried amongst all of those, there are some that carry the concepts of devotion and romance, of love, that eros love, and start to point to the true meaning of love. Not just about love, eros, the love of somebody very special in your, your life, like your wife or your, your boyfriend, but a love that goes beyond that. See, Valentine and Valentine's Day was historically associated with courtly love. That idea of, of the, the round table and the knights of old and myths like that. A love born out of service, of respect. Think chivalry and deeds done because of your faithful adoration and respect for someone. And that idea, I think, is helpful in looking at this passage. The idea of a faithful love, a love born out of respect, not born out of fluttery hearts and, and, and the, the, the doughy-eyed new love that you have when you see that girl for the first time across a room. But that, that love that that old couple have got, you know, the couple that you'll see in the street that must be in their 80s that still walk hand in hand. Yeah, they still love each other. And they may still get doughy-eyed, but much of their love is based around that mutual respect and care and devotion. Who St. Valentine was, it's a little bit confusing. He may have been one person, or he may have been two people, both called Valentine. But the best we can tell is that he was a priest or a bishop in Rome and ministered to the persecuted Christians in the Roman Empire under Claudius II. There's a fantastic picture here that's going to pop up, and this picture depicts Valentine ministering to believers in, um, what can we say this is, um, trying circumstances, shall we say. As you can see, they're gathered in the arena, there's a bunch of wild animals progressing up out of the pit to devour them. There are believers on crosses that have been set fire to the original Roman candles. And if you look, we can see a Roman in the crowd with a long stick setting fire to the next person. This was not a place of comfort. And yet, Valentine was there ministering to the people. Aware that what he was doing would get him not only into trouble, but probably into the same position as one of those people we see. Either burning or facing the animals. 
Legend has it that Valentine was beaten and imprisoned for marrying Christians, something the emperor despised, partially because they were Christian and partially because he thought it made his soldiers weak. Some sources suggest that Valentine was imprisoned before he was beheaded, and while he was there, he preached Jesus, and 46 members of the God's family became Christians. Now, we don't know if these accounts are fully accurate, but the picture we have of Valentine is not one of mushy love. It is one of that John 15, 3 love. You know, the verse, no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. We see a man living life, counting the cost and loving those around him because of 1 John 4.19. Because we love because he first loved us. We see Valentine loving people around him because he knows the love of God. And it's with that context in mind, we're going to go back to this passage in 1 John chapter 2. It starts with, my little children, I am writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is a the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. The source of our love is the love of the Father. You know, we can try and move through life being compassionate in our own strength. We can we can use human efforts to try and care for people around us. And, and, and there are many charities that do a fabulous job. But I cannot see how we can love in the way that, that God wants us to love the people of this world if we do it in our own strength. If we don't tap into the love of the Father. I don't believe we can do that unless we recognize that we are loved. That although we may do things wrong, God forgives us and it doesn't stop him loving us. That it is Jesus sitting there next to Father God going, yeah, I saw what he did, but I want to tell you he's your creation. I want to tell you he is sorry. I see his heart. I want to tell you that that she's trying really hard. And yeah, okay, she might have not got it right, but Father God, she deserves a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. It's that security that we start our position of love from. The source of love is the Father. And if you read through the Gospels, you'll find loads of occasions where Jesus encounters people that have messed up, or they're ill, or they're possessed, or they're disabled, or they're downtrodden, or they're despised. Go, go take a read through Matthew 9. 
Make a note of all the people that Jesus meets that you look at and go, I'm glad I'm not them. If you read through that, that passage, you'll see a phrase, and through the rest of the Gospels, a certain phrase keeps appearing. The phrase says, Jesus saw. First, he sees the faith of a paralyzed man and the friends who brought him to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Next, Jesus saw Matthew, the tax collector turned disciple. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. Then in the midst of a crowd, a bleeding woman touches his cloak and finds herself healed. Jesus turned and saw her and said, Take heart, daughter. Your faith has healed you. Finally, Jesus saw the crowd of people had come to hear him preach the good news and receive healing. Verse 36 in Matthew 9 says, When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was constantly being pressed on every side by people who wanted something from him. That, had, that must have been exhausting. But even in the midst of the crowd, Jesus saw individuals who were hurting and who needed not just healing in their bodies, but in their souls as well. I think that example is something for us to, to bear in mind in the way that we are supposed to love. We could get completely overwhelmed by the need and the want in this world. Charities talk about people that give to them becoming immune to the want and the need because they're exposed to it so much. That's something we must never do. We need to be reminded that Jesus sees. We see he saw a hopeless woman, a hated tax collector, a paralyzed man, and he felt compassion. And we need to do the same. We need to make sure we don't dismiss the hardship around us as the norm and become hardened to it. We need to take the love that is given us by the Father and exhibit it out to others. You know, when Jesus saw those people, he didn't turn to them and say, get a grip. He didn't turn to them and say, pull yourself together. He didn't turn to them and say, get a job. He looked at them with compassion and he dealt with them accordingly. He may have set them on the straight and narrow as well, but it was from a place of love, a place of compassion. And this compassion is found in the love of Father God and is given to each of us as his creation and his children adopted into his fatherhood. We see in verse 5 that John the writer of the passage identifies that source of God's love for him. And we must do the same. Without this, we've got no chance of loving others. 
we cannot carry out the call of the next six verses, verses 6 to 11, without that source of love. In these verses, John makes it clear that we need to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. That this is not something new, but something that, that Jesus modelled from the beginning. And it talks about the integrity of living a life that is reflective of the Father's attitude to us. The people of the day would have been well aware of Jewish law and the difference between hearing the law and carrying out the law. John was keen to make it clear that this is not a new thing. We, this was the rule from the very beginning with the people of God, that not only do you hear and say, but you do. But it was also a new thing, because unlike many of the Jews, this was to be applied not just on the Sabbath, not just when people were watching, but day in, day out, quietly, in all parts of their lives. And the outpouring of that is an outpouring of love for those people around us in the way that is appropriate for our relationship. Lovers will show commitment in marriage and not just flirt about. Valentine showed the importance of marrying young Christians. Husbands will love their wives. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians 5.25 tells us. Brothers will love sisters. For we are all brothers and sisters. Either through flesh, so natural brothers and sisters, through adoption, believers in the one body that is the church of Christ or through creation all people that's something we forget sometimes if we are made all in the image of God whether we are believer non-believer rich poor black white whatever we are still brothers and sisters and we are to love each other and when we love each other, we are in the light. And who is the light but Jesus? John 8, 12 says, Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. When we love others, we are operating in the likeness of Jesus and in accordance of the will of the Father. How we love reveals our walk with Jesus to ourselves and to those around us. And how should that love appear in our lives? Well, for that we go to Corinthians and we read, one of the verses that would have been used so often in marriage ceremonies and on Valentine's Day. It's a set of words that we probably know, that we can probably trip off bits of, off the top of our heads. 
But these words are some of the most challenging in the Bible. Because it says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It <clears throat> is not boastful. Is not arrogant. Is not rude. Is not self-seeking. Is not irritable. And does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Those words about love describe not only what we are called to be to those around us, but it describes the way that Jesus and the Father treats us daily. Do we align with that list when we love? Do we love? When we love, this can mean changes. It means changing from all the things that love isn't to the things that love is. And love drives change too. John and his brother James had been fishermen. They worked with their father Zebedee. They loved their father. They loved the boats. They loved the sea. Not sure they loved the smell of the fish, but you get the picture. And then one day, John heard the call of Jesus. We read about it in Mark 1, 17 to 20. Jesus says, follow me. And I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, putting their nets in order. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The sons of Zebedee had been mending nets. But after they'd been exposed to the love that Jesus showed, they would become menders of men. Luke 5.10 says, And so were James and John, Zebedee's son, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Change can be a challenge. It can take us on a difficult journey. But when God is mandating that change, we can be sure it's a change for good. So if God's calling you to stop mending nets, to mend people, then now is the time to do that. If God's calling you to start exhibiting love in the way that Corinthians says, rather than in the way the world dictates, now is the time to do that. This meme is doing the rounds at the moment. Um, and it is a bit twee. 
It's the sort of thing that you'd probably get on one of the 25 million greetings cards sent on Valentine's Day. Um, but the truth behind the image is solid. When God wants us to give up one thing, he generally has a better swap in mind. He's generally got something waiting for us. And that promise, that concept, is what's behind verses 15 and 17, to 17 in our passage, where it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. We need to understand what the love of the world is and isn't, though, because you could easily take the concept that, that loving the world is about the people that don't believe. It's not. John 3.16 says, For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That sacrifice, that gift is for everyone. Everyone gets that choice to decide to follow Jesus or not. So not loving the world is not about not loving people in the world. And it's not about not loving creation. Matthew 6, 26 to 30 talks about, Consider the birds of the sky. They do not sow or reap or gather in barns, yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labour or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do more for you, you of little faith? God's creation is loved by God. It's no longer perfect. That, that was what happened at the fall. But God still loves his world. So we're called to do that. So we're not called to live frivolously. We are called to be good stewards. We're not called to abandon that. What we're being asked not to love is the Christ-rejecting systems of the world. The systems that man has built up in which he tries to make himself happy without God. What does man use to, to be happy without God? Well, it's generally things, or it's power, or it's position, or it's other distractions. And it's those things we're told not to love. John refuses to love things and reminds us that thing, those things will pass away. John encourages to trust in the one who is forever. And how do we do that? By recognising that we are known by God. 
a God that knows us and wants to be known by us. We do that by loving a God who loved us first. And we do that by seeing people as he sees them and loving them. By having compassion and being moved by their situations. You know, it's generally a safe assumption that if I'm going through something difficult, I won't be the only one. Most people are dealing with something hard whenever, whether we know it or not. So in this cold, dreary season, I want to remember to see people in their hurt and their heartache. I want to ask God to give me his eyes for a people that he loves and a heart of compassion for those that are hurting. I wonder if you would join with me in that, that desire to see people as God sees them and to have compassion for them in their times of need. I wonder if you are going to make the decision to love as God loves us and to demonstrate that by loving our brothers and our sisters and the people around us. Shall we pray? Father God, we just want to thank you that you first loved us, that you know each and every one of us. You know when we fail, you know when we succeed, you know when we, we are, are, are desperately going for, for being a better believer and follower, and those times when we, we just get knocked by the world. We thank you, Jesus, that you are at the right-hand side of the Father, interceding for us in those times that we need it. And we ask that you give us the vision to see people as you do. Give us the compassion to treat people with dignity and respect and love. Shape us into the menders of men, not by trying to fix situations, but by bringing the love, the understanding and compassion that only you can bring. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Tonight, we've got prayer at 7 o'clock on Zoom. It'd be great for you to join us. And in the midweek group on Wednesday, we're continuing the course about how to pray. That's on Zoom as well. If you don't have the details, let us know. It would be really good to see you next week. So we pray that God will be with you this week and that you'll know his presence. Have a great week, guys.